Good morning. Welcome to the show. And um, y'all, I know you've been talking to me about the social media uh, presence of uh, Cheryl McKissick and Don Peebles. You saw them on Breakfast Club. And uh, I just couldn't wait to get them here so we can ask our own questions about this amazing, amazing project they're doing in New York. And somebody called me the other day and said, out of all the things they talked about on Breakfast Club, you know, because they talked about a lot of projects, a lot of money. They talked about what this meant, which is very powerful. But the thing that, that struck me that I didn't get, but I should have, they said it was powerful to see two black people deciding to work together instead of apart. I mean, that is phenomenal. And so knowing these two individuals, I, I, I started reaching out and y'all, I have aggravated the S out of them <laughs> to get them uh, to come on the show. But they are here. Don Peebles, Cheryl McKissick, who, by the way, y'all know Cheryl's been here before. So welcome back, Cheryl. Don, thanks for coming on the first time. How y'all doing? All right. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. Same here, Sean. Yeah, well, listen, well, let's jump in. And I know um, y'all are very busy. So, you know, it's it's no secret that the Big Apple is known for skyscrapers, yet not one uh, in New York uh, skyline uh, has been constructed by a majority black team. That is, well, until now. Uh, despite New York ranking among the most diverse cities in the country and having the largest number of people, roughly 3.3 million, uh, reporting as black, not one has been built by a black developer, not one has been constructed by a black contractor or, or a construction company, and the only one uh, had the element of a design by a black architect, and that's fairly recent. And, and Don, I think you have an apartment complex or a condo complex somewhere uh, there that's amazing. Uh, but Cheryl, the CEO and president of the McKissick Group, Don, the founder and chair, chairman of the, uh, of the People's Corporation, they teamed up y'all and it's amazing they've teamed up to construct the first skyscraper built uh, by a majority black team and they plan to call it affirmation tower i love that but they're gonna love it after they hear you explain and 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 don i'm gonna start with you because you know cheryl sort of said on the breakfast club that that you sort of conceived this and and so can you Tell us, how was the idea uh, of Affirmation Tower? How did you come up with that? And, and just talk to us a little bit about that. Well, the way I came to New York um, to do development business, I mean, we'd always we've gone to New York for financing our projects around the country. But back in, I'd say it's probably about 2010, I was sitting at the Grand Havana Club with Reverend Al Sharpton, and it was a beautiful, clear evening in New York City, and we're looking at the skyline. And he says, look at all those buildings, look out all those buildings, and not one of them has been built by black people. And 
you know, and then I should come to New York and change that. So the following year, we opened up a development business in New York and started doing development. Uh, and then, I mean, we've done, you know, we are finishing up a major project that's a half a billion dollars in New York City, but it's not a skyscraper. Um, and, uh, and so when the opportunity to come and uh, build the tall, build a building across from the Javits Center, which is the convention center for New York City, we, I thought, well, here's an opportunity to build a super tall building. It's in one of the more active neighborhoods now in New York City. And it's at the gateway and the front door of one of the biggest destinations in New York City where millions of visitors come each year. And so what better place to showcase African-American talent and entrepreneurship? Because overall, New York City is the same old story as everywhere else in the country, even when there's significant black population. They tell us that economic empowerment isn't for us. And so that's part of the American dream is to have access to economic opportunity. And so Affirmation Tower um, will affirm that opportunity for black Americans. And so we figured let's build a building that makes a statement. And so working with other black developers makes another statement um, of us being able to work together. And also not one of those buildings in New York has been constructed by a black contractor. And so Cheryl's firm being the oldest uh, black owned construction company in the United States and um, immensely qualified and, and, and an old friend of mine and someone we do business with elsewhere, I thought of her instantly about how it would be transformative to have a company led by a black woman, a company that's immensely qualified, be a key member of the construction team and I felt also it would be a great opportunity to have her as a development partner as well and that's how it all began. Well Don you know I thank you for that and and you know Cheryl's just amazing as well I, you know I can't go through a, the airport there without thinking about her <laughs> because uh, she she he, she and her sister and the family as you said they are just incredible and their reputation precedes them for good reason fifth generation and now I think they, the best leadership is yet to come um, Cheryl talk to us a little bit why is the project named the Affirmation Tower well, uh, that's another concept that Don came up with, but I'm happy uh, to talk about it because, you know, we are coming out of a pandemic and New York was hit the hardest. And so Affirmation Tower is a statement that we are coming back, just like we did on various other uh, buildings in New York, like the Freedom Tower after 9-11. Uh, we built that to say we are resilient against these attacks from our enemies. Um, so Affirmation Tower is a statement to say that we are coming back as uh, a city. But also after the event of George Floyd um, and the desire for diversity and equality and inclusion, it's also a statement that New York is a progressive city that you know, the state does want to include everyone um, in, in its, its ability to build back after the uh, pandemic. And so you know, it's affirming that New York is progressive, that it's inclusive, and that we are strong. And that's why uh, we call it Affirmation Tower. And I tell you, you know, it, it reminds me of affirmative action. And I think 
you know, it's so they made that, you know, such a negative term. But 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 and Don, I think you speak to that. How do you correlate and deal with the fact that they made that word so negative? I mean, it's really um, very frustrating and disappointing that um, uh, that the more conservative part of our country tried to make affirmative action um, a negative. And the concept is pretty simple, right? That um, African Americans have, we have endured, you know, hundreds of years, over 400 years of extreme oppression, um, starting with, um, you know, 250 years in slavery. Um, and, uh, and then after that, you know, all the other parts of our history in terms of oppression. Um, so the idea is that if we're going to have a fair system and our capitalistic democracy, and it is a capitalistic democracy, so the, the very pillars of our democracy are built on capitalism. And so in order for our democracy to endure, capitalism has to be fair and opportunity has to be fair. But we can't have treat everybody as though they've had the same opportunities and, um, and, and ignore the past. It would be like having the Indianapolis 500 race um, and having two drivers drive. Um, both of them driving Ferraris, but driver A is a white male and he's an inferior driver and driver B is a black man and he's a better driver. However, driver A gets to start off on lap 450 and driver B gets to start off on lap one and they say, may the best driver win. Well, the only way driver B wins is if driver A crashes and burns and we cannot have a system predicated on that kind of, you know, almost insurmountable odds for even having basic achievement. So we have to make our system fair. And the only way to right these wrongs is to take aggressive affirmative steps. And that's how we run our development businesses. We, in fact, our tagline is affirmative development. And what that means to us is it means that we are aggressive in providing economic opportunities for African-Americans and women. But our focus has been on African-Americans having fair opportunities. And so Affirmation Tower makes that statement even more that we are affirming that there needs to be opportunities, um, giving um, people a fair chance and frankly, going out of our way to take aggressive affirmative steps to include um, people who have been excluded. And it's not by accident that this would be the first skyscraper in New York City built by black developers or a black contractor. Um, and, and that's because of the obstacles that black um, entrepreneurs have confronted. And it's no different than every other obstacle um, that black people confront in this country. And so we're taking an affirmative effort to change that. I love your concept with the race cars. I know it hits um, home, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, because if you think about the facts that McKissick has been here 230 years in this business. 230 wow. years. Okay? And we have not built a skyscraper. Wow. I, you know, uh, one of my strategic partners, Turner, is, is 100 years. Okay? So, <laughs> this is the result of exactly what Don is talking about. You know, we need the opportunity. You know, we definitely have the capability, but we just don't have the opportunity. Well, and that's so interesting, Cheryl. And, and you know, you talked about 
the time to step into development, right? And you talked about the mentorship. And y'all know I can't talk about Howard too much on this show because we're in Florida and, you know, FAMU is here. And, you know, I can't start giving, like, telling people that y'all are Howard and, and Howard is great. I can't say that. But <laughs> but um, I, but you've talked about how y'all met at Howard and what a great mentor he's been. But, you know, going into development here, does that, I mean, has that always been a part of the plan for you, Cheryl? No, not really. Um, you know, Don said, this, Don said, you know, this is the natural progression. And I said, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've seen it over and over again. And, you know, it's, it's vice versa, too. Developers become contractors. Contractors become developers. And so when Don included us in this opportunity, um, I felt like this is this is perfect. This is right where we need to be. Um, you know, we we make uh what do we make? Five or six percent on our on our on our money, where developers make twenty percent. Wow, wow, <laughs> that so that's inside baseball. Most of us don't understand that, so I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it. Inside baseball, yeah. no. So uh, contractors, we work hard for the money. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so it creates a real legacy, it's, and you know, it's residual wealth. Uh, for generations to come. And so, like Don said, we're going to build this building. We're going to stay in the deal and we're going to keep it in our family. So, you know, that that creates that whole ecosystem of black, you know, wealth. So we're, we're excited about that. Well, you know, and you guys, even though you're talking about a black development, black people being involved in it, and building on the black economy so that the next generation doesn't have to start from um, scratch. You know, they can start where you leave off. You guys still keep using the word inclusive, though, right? That, that, and Don, so how will this project serve as the most inclusive skyscraper in New York City and a towering example of black excellency? Well, I think we've got our, how we operate. I think it's very important as business people, how we operate. So I I know I have friends, business associates who want to be, who are, who are black business people and they just want to be perceived as a business person. I don't believe we have that luxury. Um, and I believe that also we forego a tremendous opportunity if we approach it that way. So I know that I'm a black business person. And so when we get in positions of success and power, it is critical that we exercise that power to advance our agenda. And that's what we should be hyper-focused on, our agenda. I mean, Henry Kissinger used to say when he was Secretary of State that America has no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just permanent interests. Well, black people, we should have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just a permanent agenda in terms of how we're gonna move our community forward because that's the key for us is moving us forward. So, so it's not enough for Cheryl and I to be successful. Um, that's just not sufficient. It means that we have to make sure with this opportunity that we make other people successful. And that's why we've committed to a threshold minimum of 30% of all of our contracts on this project go to minority and women owned businesses. And that's a, over a billion dollars of contracts. And we will do better than that because I operate from the perspective 
that economic opportunities should be provided to people based on, a, you know, the population demographics. And so if you got a city that's majority minority, then the majority of the economic opportunities ought to go to, you know, people of color. The challenge has been is that that's not been the case because there's been not a desire or commitment at the top levels of business to do that. And I tell people ask, why is it important that a black developer develop a project? And it's because ownership is the essence of power. So ownership being the essence of power, we get to make the decision that who our contractor is going to be. And so when we put the team together, I made a decision that Cheryl was going and her firm were going to be a contractor on this project. Who would be the architect? I wanted a black architect who was one of the, the best architects in the world. So I picked David Adjay, who did the museum for African-American history and culture. We committed on our own to um, MWBD contracting because it was important to us. And it was a commitment by me. But the power of ownership allows you to be inclusive. And so we want to make sure that the economic opportunities go to move people forward. And that'll be from the jobs, the basic labor jobs, all the way up to the top and all the contracts for businesses. And uh, and so, and we hope to set a tone and a new standard in uh, New York that all projects ought to be inclusive, not just the few that will be developed by black developers, but that everybody um, provides an opportunity for for people um, reflective of the population demographics. And so that's what we mean by economically the most inclusive. It will have more diversity um, and people of color receiving economic opportunities and career opportunities than any other project ever built in New York. Wow, wow. Uh, listeners, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Don Peebles, founder and chairman of, and CEO of the Peebles Corporation, and Cheryl McKissick-Daniels, CEO and president of the McKissick Group. Uh, and we're talking about their project, the Affirmation Tower, which is poised to be the tallest and tower among all other buildings in New York City. And we're talking to, by the way, two black Americans who are just in the top of their game. And Cheryl, I wanted to ask you, you know, let help us visualize it. I mean, we can visualize tall, um, uh, but what 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 will the design look like? I mean, help us help us kind of walk through this thing. What what do we, what do we see? Well, I encourage everyone to go to social media. You can look us up on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and you'll see pictures of this tower that looks like it's upside down. Um, and again, that is another message as well. Um, David Adjay, who's our uh, architect, um, he actually used hair picks from uh, Africa, and, and that inspired him to create the outside of the building or the um, skin of the building. Um, and so the building starts off very smaller at the bottom, at the base, and then it, it uh, steps out as the building goes up and so it's kind of counterintuitive when you look at it right um but <laughs> but it's beautiful um and you know it's gonna have a luxury hotel a micro hotel uh office space as well as a skating rink at the top um and so as a result of the location 
Um, oh, right, and the NAACP, as well as the uh, Al Sharpton's Museum. Um, so it's become a destination location uh, for, from around the world. I mean, we've gotten press from around the world about affirmation power. Um, so it is, it's going to change the skyline of New York. Uh, it's wow. absolutely beautiful. And, and I assume we can eat there and we can hang out there and, yes. and look over New York yes. there. Yeah, that's that's going to be amazing. Absolutely. And so, Don, I know um, we talked yeah. about, I mean, y'all mentioned, you didn't mention the total amount, right? You, we've heard it's over $3 billion in order to do this i mean don do you do you have to show up with that three billion dollars uh, in order for this to work or you just they just have to have confidence that that money will be there to finish the job well no look it's 3.6 billion dollars and the, when we submitted our proposal we had identified all of the money necessary to build the project which makes i mean a big difference here right and then also the project's going to provide um, a significant economic impact to New York City, for example. 50,000 new jobs created during wow. construction of permanent jobs. Um, three and a half billion in new tax revenue just to the state alone. Two billion more to the city um, in 30 years. And, uh, and then $3.5 billion to be spent on the project. Um, that will be awarding contracts. And so it's a, but, but we were able to come to the table with the funds already identified. And I mean, I think that that is an important aspect. Now, by the way, um, all, development is a, is a business of vision and dreams, right? And, you, and, and the developers are dreamers. We dream, you know, big ideas, and then we've got to go and implement those. And so they require a lot of work require some leaps of faith and uh and, and and so we you know would normally expect to get the benefit of those leaps of faith but as black developers just like everything else that when we when we as black people try to do something there's you know um obstacles but also we don't get the same benefit of opportunity the same benefit of the doubt mm. and so we have to be better i mean i remember my grandparents telling me especially my grandfather that it wasn't enough to be as good i had to always be better and unfortunately here we are you know 50 years later from him telling me that as a little boy um that we're still in that same place but we came to the table with the capital identified and uh so which makes it even more critical and look that building's gonna affirmation tower is going to have a sculptural garden a sculpture garden um that will showcase um historic figures of African-Americans who made a contribution to New York and to our country, a civil rights museum um, that will showcase the civil rights movement and our quest for equality, NAACP headquarters there, and then two major luxury hotels, and then commercial office space, and then on the top, event and venue space, and a observation deck and an ice skating rink. So it'll be a global tourist attraction. And that was done by design. We wanna make it so that we have the opportunity to showcase the great talent that black people possess. And that here's an example when given an opportunity, here's what black people can create. A landmark building, the tallest building in the Western hemisphere, 
and a global attraction showcasing at the front door of the convention center for New York the great talent of black people. And that's why we did that. And I, and I made a decision to add, make the building initially when it was conceived, it was several hundred feet shorter. And I made the decision to spend more money, make and build the tallest building in the Western hemisphere to make it a point that when we get the chance to do something, we are a people of excellence and to make a statement for that. And that's part of, that was the reason why. And I thought it should be done by, you know, with black leadership and black contractor and black architect. And, and then also with women, giving women an opportunity to excel as well. And, uh, and so we have tried to do something that has never been done before. And that's why it's gotten a lot of attention. And it's sad that this day and age that we're still having these spurts like this. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. but it needs to be done. And we're going to, you know, we're going to get it done. Well, listen, I think there needs to be a room in there devoted to the two of you because <laughs> you are the best of what uh, we have to offer. And this project shows that. Um, listen, last question, and, and I'd love for both of you to address it, but I'm going to start with you, you, Cheryl. We're talking about a building. We're talking about showing our talent. And we're talking about, you know, uh, symbolic of, of um, this, this country. Uh, promise to um, black Americans um, but what is the call of action for us right what is the call of action from the erection of, of the affirmation tower for women and minority owned businesses in general what should what should we do now that you guys have taken this step and once you get approved do it what do you need from those women and minority owned businesses out there so um, I just want to say that we also have a third partner, Craig Livingston from Exact Capital. Um, he also is a black developer out of New York. Um, so it's three of us. And um, I, I just wanted to make sure that we gave Craig the credit that he is due. Tell Craig, um, I just didn't know him. So tell Craig, that's, you know, <laughs> that's his fault. We don't know each other yet. <laughs> <laughs> You'll meet him. Um you know, it's, it's what I said on The Breakfast Club. We want this to be a movement. We want this to be a groundswell, something that black people and actually people of color, even women, um, we want them to say, this is our opportunity to show the world what we can do. And, you know, like Don said, we need an agenda. Well, make Affirmation Tower your agenda. Um, because we need to have Affirmation Tower in New York, and we need to have it in other major cities as well. But New York is where we need to start. Um, and so we need for our people um, who support this to, to call their legislators, um, especially if they're connected to New York in any way, New York State, uh, New York City, um, and say this is an important job, an important project for the city of New York. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take letters from anywhere, right, yeah. Don? To our governor. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. telling her this is an important project, not just for New Yorkers, but for all of the country. You know, this, this will change her trajectory as she progresses through, the, you know, whatever her next wow. chapters are in life. Wow. I love that. Don, do you have to have good credit to get uh, banks to do $3 billion? <laughs> <laughs> a balance. Some, a balance. What, what, what do I need my credit number to be? Is it, does it need to be like 
900 or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's, what there's a, there's a um, you know, a saying, I mean, if you uh, owe the bank, you know, $50,000, you can't sleep at night. If you owe them $50 million, why should you both be awake? At a certain <laughs> point, it's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal, right? And it's the... It's it's the track record of the development team and then the ability to to be able to cover cost overruns should they come up. But going back to your last question before that Cheryl was answering, I want to just amplify. I mean, Affirmation Tower, it's more than a building. It's more than it being about us. It's about a movement whose time has long come. And that is that we have to focus on economic empowerment and we need to when we start elected when we when we give people our vote to you know run for office we need to understand and they need to commit and almost sign in blood that they are committed to economic empowerment for black people and they've got to make their case as to why we can entrust them we don't need to elect people who have an agenda other than advancing our people. I mean, I think that, you know, the president of the United States, case in point, would be sitting on the on the uh, ocean in Rehoboth or, or Bethany Beach in Delaware, overlooking the ocean on his front porch if it wasn't for black people. That's right. Because That's he right. would never be president. Black people delivered for him. It's time he delivers for us. And that means economic empowerment. That's across the board. We cannot keep giving these politicians a pass to put our agenda on hold and wait until next year or the year after because they take from us, they get empowered by us, and the moment they get in the office, they start forgetting about our agenda. But our agenda, we can no longer carry the disproportionate burden of poverty. I mean, the vast wealth and income disparities that black people confront are unacceptable. And they have, I mean, it is, but the income and wealth disparity between black American households and white American households has grown. It's worse. It's worse. Worse today. Right. And, and the home ownership rates for our people have declined since 1968. So we own less. We make less money and we have less money than it was at the, than we had at the epicenter of the civil rights movement and here we are with all this political power and yet we are worse off that tells you that many of our elected officials have failed us yes and we can no longer leave it to them to address our problems or move our agenda when they feel like it we have to demand something. And I've told my friends and members of the Congressional Black Caucus that they should be on the front steps of the White House every morning telling this president what we need next to move our people forward. But that is, I think, the call to action. I love we it. We shouldn't have I love it. affirmation towers being first. I love so it. That's the call to action. Yep. Don, I love it, and we're gonna wrap up because you're about to have me get the get the Holy Ghost in here on this Sunday morning because because it's okay. not just happening nationally, but in the local level as well. If we're electing pe- black people that don't understand that that they've given us political power, they let us have that. What they're not giving us is the real power. And that is economic. And if they're not elected and understand that their number one role is to figure out how they can create black millionaires, they are not 
looking out for our next generation. And uh, listen, uh, Andrew Young said it best in Atlanta. He said, the, you know, political power is one thing, but the real power is economic. And we need to learn that sooner than later. And listen, I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for taking this time and talking to our listeners here in Florida and South Georgia. Um, we we want to get to the place where when we were looking at this five years from now, the Affirmation Tower, and we vi we're visiting it, that we're all lobbying y'all saying, hey, come do this here. Uh, so thank you so much for everything you're doing. And thank you for the black excellence you bring to the table everywhere you go and everything you do. And I just honestly, sincerely appreciate your friendship. Thank you so much, Sean. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there, y'all. Don Peebles, Cheryl McKissick, Daniel. Y'all come see us in Tallahassee. I know you don't want to, but but just take some <laughs> time. And on your way to Wellington, um, Don, stop by. And uh, Cheryl, you know we love you. And uh, thank you guys again. Listeners, stay with us for a moment. One short Pittman point right after this. It's time for Pittman's Point on 96.1 Jams. Okay, y'all. Tomorrow is the day. If you've been paying attention to the confirmation hearing of Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, you know what I know. She is probably the most qualified candidate that has come before the Senate for confirmation in a long, long time. She showed the poise and the temperament already required of a Supreme Court justice. So to pit my point today, y'all, is let's pay attention to what happens tomorrow and let's help the Senate make history. This has been the Sean Pittman Show. We'll see you in seven. This is the Sean Pittman Show on 96.1 Jams, Tallahassee's big station. We got this.